sir. Yeah, man. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back, everybody, to the Savage Cromcast, season eighteen, episode three, the Scarlet Citadel. I'm Josh. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Luke. And we are coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky, the heart of the bluegrass, where spring is springing. And <laughs> too soon, man. Too soon. And yeah. yeah, it's bananas. There there are flowers popping up in my in my flower garden uh, behind the house. The backyard's turning green. I don't have any idea what season it is. We Poor saw bugs. our first dandelion today. You saw a dandelion? What? Yep. Out in our front yard, there's a little Holy baby crap. little baby dandelion. We were walking out across the yard, uh, going to head to dinner and there were the daffodils. I was looking at my little daffodil head sticking up. I know you got those too, Josh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Liz was like, there's a dandelion. And it sure enough was a little yellow head. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah. Climate change, chaos, cats and dogs living together. Global weirding. Global <laughs> weirding. Do you want, actually, I was listening to um, Weird Studies and, and the whole shtick of the episode, the, the central conceit was global weirding over over global warming. This is where we're at, man. Yeah. It feels like it sometimes. It sure does, John. Yeah. It sure does. Everything is unzipping. <laughs> wow. Whoa, wait that's, what are you doing over that's, there? That's horrific. <laughs> Make yourself at home. I did. <laughs> oh, man. Shed my skin. Show you my true, <laughs> true form. form. <laughs> no face. It's Mickey no Mouse. Face. No mask. That's what it was from uh, The King in Yellow. I wear no mask. <laughs> um, guys, we're back again. We're going to talk about the Scarlet Citadel here, sitting around the microphones, having some libations. Luke, what is in that Big Bone Lick State Historic Site koozie? With that bison on the With cover? That bison. Uh, so I'm drinking the last Sierra Nevada Torpedo, but other than that, I got a uh, a stack of uh, something in a red can. What is it you got there, Josh? Uh, Bud Heavy. Yep. Bud Heavy. Budweiser Bud. in the red can. If I'm going to drink Wazza. Budweiser. <laughs> this is Bud Light. What was that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I ruined it. If I'm uh, going to drink Bud or Coors, I want it to be not in the, uh, the light category. Sure. I'll drink MGD all day long, too. Uh, that's what I want. If I'm not drinking High Life or Paps, I want to drink something that's the the heavier of the the mainstream beers. You want to feel something. Yeah, man. You want that mouthfeel. Yeah. There's a Bill Hicks stand-up routine about bud. But grab yourself a bud. I can't, I can't remember what it is. It'll come to me I bet he was very positive about whoever he, it was drinking certainly that was. beer. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Hicks was a really positive dude. He was. Yeah, he's actually I I'm in the mood where I need to listen to some Bill Hicks yeah. to to bring myself even lower. <laughs> I mean, he makes me feel a little bit happier though. He does. Honestly, yeah. like it's it's that it's that dark comedy, it's that black humor like the, the Yule Brenner. We're in this together, man. That fast living's going to catch up with you, Yule. <laughs> that, you're right. That's one of the best. That yeah, that's the best. I got to listen to some Bill Hicks it sounds like. If oh. you haven't, yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah, Google what what Josh just referenced. Uh, Bill Hicks, Yul Brenner, Yul Brenner, and don't let kids listen to it. No, got it. Uh, yep. So that's what we're drinking. Uh, before we move on to one thing, do you guys want to tackle a little bit of uh, social media Some discussions? Sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. So last episode we talked about a, a story by Robert E. Howard, Conan Tail, called. The Frost Giant's Daughter, a story steeped in the mythological and, one would argue, the, um, I don't want to say the mundane necessarily. Yeah. So. Mayhem. 
Mayhem, yeah. Uh, you, I, I mean, it's a mythic story. Yeah, you were going for M's. I thought I was trying to think of an. I, M I, I was yeah. the word that I want will come to me okay. later when it's way too late. But it. Uh, as it always happens, I would I would dare say that it's a it's a Jungian archetypal yeah type of story. Whatever Howard was writing when he like whatever he was channeling, I should say when he wrote the Frost Giant's Daughter, it was his attempt to channel some broad. Uh, Norse by name, but broader archetypal kind of theological elements. And it falls into that like comparative theology, Jungian sort of archetype stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what he was going for. I think my so. opinion. Um, and so we had uh, some, some commentary from listeners on Twitter. Yep. One of whom, with a, a long Twitter thread, uh, the, the user's name is uh, Pulp Covers, mm -hmm. uh, discussed the Frost Giant's Daughter in terms of its proximity or, or uh, in, in terms of being a parallel to a siren myth. Mm -hmm. Like yep. the, the fact that Atali lures uh, wayward men who have survived these massive battles and are battle weary and and maybe bleeding out leads them out into the wastes to her brothers to sacrifice them on Ymir's altar gets that cutting board out hot hearts smoking chop them up smoking smoke smoking those hearts. hearts yeah smoking hearts she's been very successful at it seemingly she's real good at it yeah uh gorm in the story is, he presents this as something he even watched when he was a kid yeah so assume that she's been doing it since time immemorial yeah no i seen her man yeah I mean, yeah. I think that's a good. Do you guys, I think it's fair enough that we can kind of read through what pulp covers, what the argument is. Yeah, I, think I mean, so. it's out there in the in the world. So yeah. I'll I'll do credit here. So this is at pulp covers, which is a a much larger larger uh, Twitter presence <laughs> than we are for sure. Uh, so uh, pulp covers says the most recent episode of the Chromecast talks about the Frost Giant's daughter, and as is the norm today, spent a fair bit of time talking about the uncomfortable rape subtext. However, I would like to defend the story as a typically Howardian twist on a classic trope, the siren. The hosts mention Apollo chasing Daphne and her desire to escape at any cost, but I don't think that's the reference Howard is making. Daphne is unwillingly pursued by someone she isn't interested in, although he was bewitched. It wasn't her doing. She is an innocent caught up in a destructive power of the gods, a tragic figure. Lots of other mythological characters have similar stories, crushed by fate and the caprice of the gods, but Atali isn't that kind of figure. Atali is a different archetype, the siren. She lures men to their deaths. I have brought you a man to slay. Take his heart that we may lay it smoking on our father's board. She's a version of the dangerous seductor story, which always ends badly for the seduced. She approaches a man exhausted from battle, bleeding and injured and suffering from a concussion, and uses supernatural charm to drive him mad and lure him into a deadly chase ending in his death. For any other man, it would be his doom. But Howard loves twisting these kinds of tropes. He and Lovecraft had a round-robin story where HP left the protag going mad at having his mind transferred to the body of an alien worm, and then REH finished the story with him conjuring the alien planet. In another story, casually, Conan kills a devil from the outer dark. 
noting they have taken on earthly form and flesh of some sort. A man like myself with a sword is a match for any amount of fangs and talons, infernal or terrestrial. In this case, Atali has fallen into the trap of mugging the monster. She thinks she has found an easy mark and drives him beyond the bounds of reason to take his life, but finds out too late what she has unleashed. Atali is not a victim nor even a woman. She is a supernatural serial killer, a succubus who drives wounded men beyond their limits to their deaths, then is shocked when a man is capable of going beyond her limits, killing her brothers and running down a goddess on foot. Once again, Howard has placed his protagonist in a horror story, only to have Conan refuse to play his role. He overcomes a supernatural assassination through strength, speed, and sheer will, and his madness, rather than killing him, makes him unkillable. And that's the that's the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly, that's not 140 characters. There's a lot there, right. uh, yeah, and it is a very thoughtful a analysis. It is, it's good stuff. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, that's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. And we appreciate the the lengthy response. So much props to Pulp Covers for for delivering that. Yeah, and I I don't want any any of our listeners to think that we are attacking Robert E. Howard like. In in our ten year history, I think that we've done a pretty good job of uh, balancing the conversation because it's real easy to just sort of fanboy out with some of the stuff, right? Right. Like it's classic sword and sorcery for a reason. Um, and there are uh, so many examples of really good stories from Howard in this genre and in horror, in boxing, in, in so many uh, that he published in his rather short lifetime. Um, I think that we're doing, I think what we're doing is taking an approach where we consider these stories from multiple angles. Yeah. So uh, while we do spend a fair amount of time discussion, discussing, I think, we may have used the term, and I think it's very much appropriate in 2023 to say the rapey elements of that story. Uh, it was a fairly balanced discussion, I think, uh, that we had across three people over more than an hour. We all, I think, generally like the story, and we we obviously love Robert E. Howard. We've done a show about him for a decade. Yeah. So uh, we're on board with it. And also, <laughs> I mean, I guess the thing with that whole Twitter thread, and we we were largely silent, knowing that, one, we didn't want to start having a Twitter conversation of, of some sort of snarky tone with anybody. We would rather give a long-form uh, response as is our, 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 our way our heritage. <laughs> <laughs> that we tend to do, uh, because we're not being reductionist. We're, we giving, t- we're giving a, we fairly, about- a fairly detailed response here. Uh, but... Uh, we, we like reading things that make us feel, uh, uncomfortable. That was one of the, one, uh, somebody responded saying like, well, if you don't like reading Howard, you know, if it makes you uncomfortable, then don't read it. And of course the subtext that I got with that is, you know, you, you lefty, uh, flag waver. Like why, why are you, why are you reading this thing if you don't like it? To which I say, well, I like reading things that make me uncomfortable. I Mm -hmm. like reading things that are good. And I like reading things that are challenging and the frost giant's daughter (laughs) is a challenging read in 2023 for anybody that has an iota of understanding of 
like sword and sorcery as a as a larger uh, 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 sort of field. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I would argue that rape, or at least the uh, intent of of rape, is not subtext. No, it's not. It's not subtext. It's in the text. Um, because what is Conan going to do? Let's let's read. Let's t- let's go to the uh, the story. This is uh, after Conan has um, taken down Atali's brothers. Uh, she is running from him. Conan's catching up. His legs are pumping. He is fueled by his his anger and his madness. Um, she is slowing down. It says the speed ebbed from her flashing white legs. She reeled in her gait, and his untamed soul leapt leaped up the fires of hell she had fanned so well. With an inhuman roar, he closed in on her just as she wheeled with a haunting cry and flung out her arms to fend him off. His sword fell into the snow as he crushed her to him. Her lithe body bent backward as she fought with desperate frenzy in his iron arms. Her golden hair blew about his face, blinding him with its sheen. The feel of her slender body twisting in his mailed arms drove him to blinder madness. His strong fingers sank deep into her smooth flesh, and that flesh was cold as ice. It was as if he embraced not a woman of human flesh and blood, but a woman of flaming ice. She writhed her golden head aside, striving to avoid the fierce fierce kisses that bruised her red lips. You are cold as the snows, he mumbled dazedly. I will warm you with the fire in my own blood. What's he going to do to her? So, (laughs) as as a... To sort of set the stage with some of the various conversation that that circled around with pulp covers is uh, tweet thread mm-hmm. again great but a lot of the responses were uh, or, or sort of like hangers on and adders on were a little bit silly I, I like for lack of anything more more cleanly uh, for instance this person says uh, this is why I think people. Uh, wait, this is why I think the people who think the chase would have ended in rape are misguided. It would have ended in confrontation and possibly murder, but not rape. So when you're, when you're chasing somebody down to murder them, the first thing you say is that you're going to bruise them with your kisses and, and quell their, their, their heat with, (laughs) or quell their, their ice with your, with your heat. Right. Right. The the sword is thrown down in the snow, right? It's discarded. And you're smothering the person with. A bear hug and kisses. Sexual, clearly. This isn't a, a paternal this isn't what you bear do. hug. This isn't a, like a, a, a northern like <laughs> way of getting revenge. This, this is a Sumerian is, hug. This is a Sumerian is, hug. Yeah, so so you can you can read the Frost Giant's daughter through a variety of lenses, but if you are ignoring the sexual angle that's expressed and Conan's actions that are aggressive, it's you're being obtuse, right? Like if you, I guess that's my, my statement. Like if you do not concede that there is a, an aggressive sexual dominant element to the story, then either you haven't read the story or you're trying to make some statement that you don't like that. And you don't want to like, you're not going to concede that, (laughs) that fact it's, it's there. It's okay. You can you can like the story, but also not like it. Mm-hmm. Like like lots of things. Uh, it's just it's there. It's 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 not all or nothing. 
Yeah, right. And it's not subtext. It's right. it's the text. Because it's That's the text. because it's a complicated conversation mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be reductionist about. And that's me taking jabs at the other person yeah. that said that our our hour long discussion across <laughs> three different uh uh discussants was reductivist in nature. And I realize you can talk about something for twenty hours and be reductive in your intention, but we didn't just talk about rape and we were trying to be as encompassing as we could with the topics of the story. Uh, Like we're not being reductive here. We're not boiling it down to a single thing. It's a good story, but also it's a problematic story. And if that triggers you for me to use that P word, just roll with it, dude. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm using like, like it's, it's, it is, this is a story that is written by a young Howard younger, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, in the grand scheme of things, and it's a younger Conan, and it's an early Conan, and he's he's still honing his chops, right? Mm-hmm. He's like we talked about with the first Conan story that Bobby Derry made the point that he had been working on and honing his efforts as a writer. He hadn't quite found all of the Conan story though, and this is a different and weird kind of story than the Phoenix on the Sword. Yeah, and and it's okay to like it. It's okay to like the story. It's okay to still like Conan. It's okay to say, well, he was bewitched because, yeah, he clearly was. It's it's okay to say that the the sexual agency within the story swings like a pendulum. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's okay. Uh, Which is what Paul Colt covers is trying to say, right? right. I don't think think so. I don't think they necessarily disagree with. Us as much as they're like, this is the angle that I look at it from. No, yeah. and I, yeah. it's right no, on. I, I think that yeah. essay tw- in Twitter yeah. form, like it's a short <laughs> essay, and it's really good. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I, I don't want to belabor the points beyond the fact that uh, if you read the story just as such, and you come away from it thinking, well, there's nothing more to see here. I don't know, man. Like, did did you read it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, you know, we're talking about this the story as our second within our our season here, and we mm-hmm. kind of jump the jump the shark and jump to it right away. I'm kind of glad we did because we're kind of we're like at this point. I we you know we were texting back and forth before we were <laughs> doing this recording a few days ago. Like, we got a whole year of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna be coming back to this after. Uh, uh, not talking about it for a decade, and the the world, the climate, the <laughs> the the terra firma of the sword and sorcery discourse has changed. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited yeah. and invigorated to to have our our takes out there amongst everybody else's. So join in the on the conversation, but at least read the story and 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 reckon with it. Yeah. All reckon of them, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, any final final words? Is that the final word? Reckon, I like reckon that. With reckon with good. it. Yeah. 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 Put your armor on. Let's go. Let's roll. We're on the road to Kings again. Yep. <laughs> We're go- Get in, losers. We're going raid. <laughs> um, okay. That was a dig- digression, but I think it was necessary. It was I think it was good. Yeah. What that you- was probably more than five minutes, right? It, it, yeah, it was, but that's fine. We didn't set a timer. Uh, <laughs> what about one thing?
You want to start us off? Yeah, man. So I'm gonna do a little bit of a cheat, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sling one one thing, and I'm also gonna promote one thing. I'll start with the promotion. Uh, so uh, we've got a Kickstarter that is running currently. Uh, as of the time of this recording, it should be uh, cruising through. Let me pull up my text messages here so j thomas howard sent me a uh a dm saying hey man if you guys can give a shout out to uh the swords and heroes kickstarter uh that some of the whetstone people are having stories in that would be much appreciated and i said for sure thing dude uh so j thomas howard writes the tarot knight raul he's one of my favoritest of the 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 recurrent whetstone sword and sorcery uh, characters that's popped up across issues, but also uh, Burke's Ahanu Fox, Foxcloud is one of my other favorite characters, and so uh, Michael Burke has a character in this collection. Also, it's it's unrelated to Spiral Tower Press or Whetstone or anything like that. It's actually, I think, the dude that runs uh, Savage Realms magazine. I think. Uh, but anyway, there's a, there is a Kickstarter that's running for a sword and sorcery collection that's called Swords and Heroes. You can buy the ebook for a stinking $5 Kickstarter. You can't even get a Subway uh, footlong for that much. Anymore. I mean, I, I did it this morning and I have to say I'm excited because I need more Tarot Knight in my, in my blood. I, I love, I love that and I really have grown to love, uh, Burke's, uh, Ahanu. He's a, he's a cool, weird dude. Anyway, so that Kickstarter is running, I think, through February 23rd. Uh, hopefully this episode drops and you can you can check that out. We'll put a link in the, the show notes. Uh, back it for five bucks. If you want to back it for 10 or 15, you might be able to get some of the Savage Realms uh, issues of the magazine that have come out before. You can get lots of stuff. But, you know, digital format, super cool. So that's that. Uh, I guess my one thing has got to be... Is it called Poker Face? I know I was texting you guys. Lady, Lady Gaga? Gaga? <laughs> no, it's not poker. It's not that. Oh, wait. What is it? Who's the Russian doll actress? Natasha Leon. Is uh, that how you say her name? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, uh, or is it Lion? It's L-Y-O-N-N-E. So she is in uh, a show that is being... Directed by one Mr. Ryan Johnson. Do you guys know know that name? I know that name. He ruined Star Wars. Is that the guy that ruined yeah, Star Wars? That's the dude that ruined Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> he also is kind of a big deal with like murder mystery stuff these days, yeah. like glass onions. Yeah, I thought he was an onion farmer. Uh, what's the other <laughs> thing that he did? Onion. Something about like, uh, what's the other thing before the glass onion? Uh, knives, knives out. out. Knives yeah. out. Yeah. Anyway, so Ryan Johnson, right? Right. He's huge. I. I love Ryan Johnson, and I love old school Ryan Johnson. Brick. I have been a, a fan of Ryan Johnson way since Brick. I, yeah. I don't want to sound too much like a hipster, but but that <laughs> yeah, everyone era. Everyone else is a loser, and I'm a winner. <laughs> Ryan Johnson is awesome, and I've been been on the the Ryan Johnson tip since day one. I'm not not afraid to <laughs> to say that. I love early Ryan Johnson explicitly. Right. He also did like Looper. Right. That's right. Yeah, I believe you're right. Which is pretty cool. Uh, he likes time traveling. He likes kind of like uh, complicated stories. He likes noir. And his series that's on the Peacock is called Poker Face. And the very first episode is like a picture perfect 
beautiful little noir. And <laughs> I mean, it's almost a short movie. It's like a 60 or 70 minute little thing. That's what I've heard is. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And then Liz and I watched the, the second episode right before we watched the new episode of the last of us. And it is also directed by Ryan Johnson. I assumed he was going to hand off the reins for this for the next episode to another director, but it's also him. It is a different style cinematically. Uh, even the fonts and all of the introductory material is different. It really feels like the opening of True Detective, <laughs> like a, an a, oh. episode of True Detective. And it is a totally different thing. And it is also beautiful. Uh, and I am super stoked. So if you like noir, if you like your stuff hard-boiled, uh, eggs and whatnot, your your crime. Check out that's that show. It's Poker awesome. Face. Yeah, it's Got good. It. That's it. I'm done. I'm gonna hand the torch over to me, John. It's my turn. Yeah. Uh, mine is a book that I talked about on the last episode. Um, we were quoting from it to talk about some Viking myths. It's called Viking Myths and Sagas, uh, retold from ancient Norse texts by Rosalind Curvin. Uh, she apparently is pretty well known for doing this. She kind of takes things and makes them more readable to modern readers. Uh, and I read a couple for the last show, and I was like, I'm just going to read this whole book. Uh, <laughs> even though I've, I've read some of these stories before by Neil Gaiman and other places, there's been quite a few that I've almost finished it. I, I hadn't read before. Uh, the one that stuck with me the most is the story. It's called, I think in modern terms, Wayland the Smith. But she called him something different, uh, like Voland the Smith. Okay. And he is a blacksmith of some renown and also the son of a king. And he lives alone in this like dilapidated hut on a front of a lake. But this princess is in love with him. So the king says, all right, boys, like go fetch up this guy so she can marry him. She's got her heart set on it. And he says, I can't marry your daughter because I'm already married to a Valkyrie. And they all kind of laugh at him. And he tells him this whole story about how she she turned into a swan and left him uh, after living with him for nine years. And they kind of laugh and then they enslave him uh, and take him back to their kingdom. And they force him to make gold rings. And uh, one day the princes of this realm come to see him. And so he chops their heads off and turns them into goblets and then gives them to the king. And he doesn't realize that they're his sons. And then the daughter is like, will you please just marry me? And this could all be over. And at this point, he's created these golden wings, uh, swan wings, so that he can try to fly up and catch the Valkyries. And it's like super haunting. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, very, very dramatic. And I don't know why. I've just been thinking about it ever since I read it. Yeah, it was was just really dark and macabre. And I know she's retold parts of it. And all of them, like there are words in some of them that you're like, oh, I know that the Norse didn't say scumbags. But like she's using something that. My vernacular understands a little bit better. So probably there were some umlauts over the years. Probably for scoombugs. So I, I, I enjoy this one. I've been trying to find her other books, uh, Mm -hmm. see if I like some of her other versions of like Celtic myth and a few others that Mm -hmm. she's done. But I guess her name again, Rosalind, Rosalind Curvin. Curvin. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime. For sharing your one thing. Take it away and give us your one thing. My one thing is give it to so, us. <laughs> I did not think that I would enjoy the show Wednesday on Netflix. Um, I was I was ready to not like it. In okay. fact, I, I just didn't think that it was for me. I, I didn't. I expected it to be kind of more kitty than it actually turned out being. Uh-huh. But it's pretty dark. Um, okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I like Catherine Zeta Jones. 
I'm a big fan of, of her work. Uh, and I liked her as Morticia. She, she's Morticia? She's Morticia, wow, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, and then uh, I I also liked, uh, oh man, wh- who's the guy who plays Gomez in this new this new thing? I can't think of, I can picture him. Um, it'll come to me in just a minute, but he's, he's modeled after like the original comics Gomez. So okay. he's kind of more, more, uh, portly, um, not role Julia. Right. Like he's, he's a little bit, a little bit uglier. Was Oscar Isaacs. Oh, Louise Guzman. Guzman yeah. Oh. Louise Guzman. Yeah. Was Oscar uh, Isaacs recently Gomez Adams in something? Did he voice him? Maybe there were maybe a couple of it. like cartoons that came out recently. I haven't watched it. I forgot it was Luis, Luis Guzman. I yeah. heard about that. He's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're good. Uh, uh, Ashley didn't care much for him on screen together, uh, Guzman and, and Zeta Jones, but I thought their chemistry was pretty good, huh. honestly. And they're only in it like maybe two episodes. Like okay. it's there. It doesn't focus on them whatsoever. Uh-huh. They're just weird, like background <laughs> characters, like everything else. But uh, it, it wears some of its influences on its sleeve. Like it's very much like, Harry Potter is in its okay. DNA, okay. strangely. Um, and Wednesday, the the uh, Jenna Ortega, the actress that plays Wednesday, is perfect for it. Um, and I didn't notice what she's kind of uncanny when she's on screen. And I didn't notice what it was about her, but she never blinks. Never, ever, never, ever blinks. Never closes her eyes. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's and, and, and her And her movements are kind of stilted and the like... Um, I don't know. She's she is a Tim Burton character, which you know, uh, this is a Tim Burton movie, and he directed uh-huh. a few episodes of it. And and you know, I'm a I'm a Tim Burton fan. I like his stuff. I like his aesthetic, and it, it's you know jam packed the show full of that. So nice man. I liked it a lot. Very um, cool. It's it's cool. It's it's a detective show, and I didn't know that it would be that. Okay, but she's she's kind of an occult detective. I guess I can get behind that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, uh, I know I, I Liz really. It. She loved it. She devoured it in short order, which is like just a few days. It's uh, if you like the Adams family, um, there's a, a lot of good references. Is the to, Wednesday from our childhood in it? She is. Yeah, um, Christina Ricci. Yeah, yeah, she's it. in it. Yeah, she she's a uh, like a botany teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's. Oh, that's her. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she her character's neat. That um, who is? Uh, why can't I think of a- actresses' names? Um, she is Lady Brienne of Tarth from Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, right, right. I can't remember her She's name. She's like the principal. Of okay. It. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a, that's a strong dominant Gwendolyn force. Christie? Oh, yeah, Christie, good, good pull. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's, she's a dominant. Yeah. Like you were saying, she's very large and in charge. <laughs> um, every time she was on the screen, I kept quoting the, the line, like, is the big lady here from <laughs> Game of Thrones? Like, <laughs> It's, it's good, man. That's I liked best. it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. No torment, unfortunately. It's, it's good. Watch Wednesday on Netflix. Cool. They're making a second season. It'll be good. I like it, man. That's three things. It is three we things. We did it. We that's did a it. podcast, right? <laughs> See, All right. That's the banter. Where can, where can the people find us? <laughs> oh, this was just the banter. Right. Yeah, sorry. We still got a little bit, right? Some content coming whole, at you. We have a whole Citadel to sack. We got to sack the Citadel. Yeah. We got to go deep down into the ground. Sotha. Sotha Lanti. I've forgotten about Sotha. Yeah. You did? I did. You forgot about Sotha? I forgot about him until I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reading this was uh, was fun because I don't think that I've read this since our first season. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, th- I remember we used the little side note for this episode was like Paleus likes to party. Paleus or something. likes to party. Yeah. And I was expecting from I was like, oh, I remember we used that. But Paleus, I wanted him to hang around more. Like he's he wasn't around enough. He's got I wizard wanted- stuff to do. Then he drink a bunch of wine. <laughs> yeah. He does. He, <laughs> he downs a couple wrong. goblets yeah. of he's wine. Like, I need to sit on a divan. I have uh, a dark visage that you can't see. But if you were to see the true me, you would be horrified and. Let me help. Let me help you out, and and then he's kind of gone. Yeah, he's awesome. He is. Awesome. He's the best wizard because I don't think he's a good guy. Oh no! Yes. No no. Yeah. Uh, he's just better than that other a hole. Right. Like that's the best. Thing. <laughs> it's like the lesser of two a holes. Like yeah. that's how I like my sword and sorcery wizards. Is if you can call down a giant weird bat thing, probably not an uh, awesome dude. Uh huh. Well, Our Call of Cthulhu game, notwithstanding. Oh, well, Father God, yeah. There's, there's a lot of uh, – a lot that people don't know. Yeah. So this story is in many ways reflected in other stories. Elements of this story are reflected in other stories, mm-hmm. um, particularly Hour of the Dragon. And that didn't dawn on me fully until this read through. But this this is kind of a, a – real condensed version of Hour of the Dragon without the resurrecting the kingdom subplot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I like it a lot. I yeah. like the story a lot. Yeah. It, it hums. It's got a, it's got a fervor to it. It kind of moves along. Uh, I do, I will say I like the front half to two thirds of the story more than I like the last bit because I feel like all of the warfare and big scope doesn't uh it just i needed more of it and maybe yeah. that's where like i you know i haven't read hour of the dragon in its entirety in a long long time so when we get to that maybe i'll feel like oh that's less compressed and it's it's more of this whole sort of strung out story mm-hmm. but i love all that dungeon business i love the scarlet citadel i love like all of the the deep dark secrets the the, the spooky shit that goes down I'm I'm down. What I'm down the clown. I want to. <laughs> what came out of the well? It's just a presence, man. It's just like a, if you <laughs> just a specter, a haint. Uh, yeah, it's a haint. <laughs> it's a booger. There's, the Scarlet Citadel is full of boogers and haints. God. You don't go there. Um, the, 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 the the frog talks, king. The talks talks like a talks like a woman or yeah. talks like a person. Probably was a woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! That reading that. Is that the was, frog-headed thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, was it screeches. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. That is straight up weird ass monster. Yep. This story, it strikes me that Conan, if this story takes place after Phoenix on the Sword, then this is another uprising, right? Where where people have gotten together and secretly conspired to take Conan down. <laughs> yeah. You got to start thinking like, am I a good king? <laughs> it, but what I like about this story is that it sounds like he's not a good king, but he's a good leader. Like he's a good president, I guess, or something okay. like he yeah. keeps, he's, he's got not every, making friends. He's, he's the, running the upper, the country. yeah, the upper echelon, they don't like him because he's rocking some boats, but the people, they seem to view him as like, Oh, you know, Things are fine. Like, we're all making money and we're not taxed as heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like the people like him. But now, now that that pesky bard is dead, Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now that he's not singing his mad songs anymore. Um, so, very quickly, we go from Conan uh, being captured 
and being paralyzed by Sothalanti and thrown into a chariot and trucked down to the Scarlet Citadel. I say down. I feel like it's south, right? Yeah. Um, and then every- literally down. <laughs> and then literally down into the bowels of this 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 large fortress. And it's like a descent into hell. Yeah. And he's Conan is chained up. And Soth is like, you're, you're leaving here. Right. You're done. <laughs> so before we before we pass it by, so I've got here in my old notes from the, the first season. So uh, Phoenix on the Sword, Weird Tales, December 32. Mm-hmm. Scarlet Citadel, January 33. Yeah. This is like the sequel that you get. It's, right. it is, it is an absolute, like, it's cool if you missed out on that December issue. You can just jump right in and swim with this. But man, like, this is, uh, two full length movies right. that you're getting like back to back across multiple months. That's true. It's yeah, pretty I phenomenal didn't... how, how this kind of like comes about. But bam, like that. Yeah. It's cool. And it's, it's not, you know, it's the second published Conan story, but not the second one that was written. Right. right. This but it's cool that it's the four, direct, maybe that was written or five from what you guys had described. But it before. is yeah. the direct sequel. It's the direct yeah. sequel that comes out that direct month later. Uh, and then not to advance things too far, but next time we talk, we'll hit on the tower of the elephant and it's March of 33. So you wait like a couple months later, like February, well, I guess only one. Like you've got the January issue, and then February hits, and then the next March, it's like, well, here's, here's young Conan. Conan. Here's here's the young adventures of, of Conan, <laughs> or the adventures of like of young. young Conan. Yeah, it's crazy. That's one of the things I did end up liking about this: reading it back through and having had the history that we have, uh, the fact that. You get a couple more allusions to young Conan in this story. Like, it seems very... Lots of piratey references. Yeah, like, very well edited. Back in my Corsair days. Yeah, this whole, all these kernels being dropped where it's like, oh, well, I know where we're going next. Like, we're going to see some action on the high seas or yep. when he was various thieves and rogues and stuff. Like, we got a little dabble of that in Phoenix on the Sword. A little bit. But it, it felt more concrete here, especially when he's confronted by... Uh, the big fella that wants to choke him or chop his head off. Amra. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah we get the ah, check yes, Amra. Amra. Yeah. It's cool. Retcons, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's Howard's prescient. He's, it, it's very deft. I think I've used that word already in the season, but I'm going to keep using that word. Uh, deft storytelling. Dude knows what's up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he knows where he's going. He knows where he's been. Uh, and Sothalante is a, a, a butthole for sure. For sure. He's yeah. he's not uh, Fothamon. Fothamon nope. is our re- like relatable. Like he's our Heath Ledger Joker. Uh, if, like I don't know, maybe maybe that's no, go, too far. Go on, go on, <laughs> go on. I don't. I, I want to read this newsletter. Go on. Uh, yeah, you've got the ball, right? <laughs> uh, but this guy, he's just he's he's not fun. He's Jared not, Leto Joker. Uh, I I uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I was trying to. He's just bad. Yeah. He's he's just there's no like sympathy. Right. Maybe I would say like Joaquin Phoenix Joker is okay. a sympathetic Joker. Like you see his, you see why uh, uh, Thothamon is who he is. Like right. he revenges his thing. This guy might be a creature. Yeah, and he right. Yeah, like he's a half demon, and he's clearly just interested in dominance. Like 
he's not looking to to get back. And that's the main distinction. That and the fact that like we get cool Peleus, like this one what am I trying to say? Like Conan is interacting with uh not like in the last the the within the uh the Phoenix on the sword. Oh, Epimetrius? Epimetrius, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not interacting with Brule. Like <laughs> from <laughs> from by the sex I rule. He's not interacting with Bro. It's another uh stranger, but it's this kind of like guarded friendship, and I like that. Like we start to get more of that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I belabored that. But that's oh. to say, like, we're starting to get more like kind of complex conan interactions here in this one he talks to the um antagonist wizard and the protagonist wizard and in the previous story he never talked to thothamon he never interacted with them uh they they were ships in the night like we said and uh one of them kind of made a wave that affected the other which is that was a flying baboon (laughs) (laughs) that's right Yeah. yeah um so what was your favorite part of this of this hellscape that is the dungeon below the Scarlet Citadel. Mine is definitely the froggy sounds like a person, but maybe it's a person, but it's kind of blobby too, right? It's blobby with a frog head. That is my favorite. Uh, just because it really did rock me, even reading it here, this, mm-hmm. you know, coming back around to it. It was, it's so weird like i want to drop that into a DD game with you guys <laughs> where you're gonna hear like a damsel in distress and you come around the corner and nope it's a big it's a big frog gonna eat you <laughs> the unmistakable human note in its mirth almost staggered uh almost staggered his reason it was exactly such laughter as he had heard bubble obscenely from the fat lips of the salacious women of shadazar city of wickedness when captive girls were stripped naked on the public auction block by what hellish arts had Satha brought this unnatural being into life? Conan felt vaguely that he had looked on blasphemy against the eternal laws of nature. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if he had had his sword, would he have been able to fight this thing? Right. Like, is it is it corporeal? Is it not? Has he crossed over into a realm where these things can take a form that is, is not of physical substance, yet they can um, affect physical bodies you know uh i like the well the the deep dark bottomless well that is undoubtedly a fissure that leads straight down to the the last level in diablo 2 (laughs) i feel like while that is the thing that ultimately would drive you mad the fact that you don't see what's there it's like you see enough here the, the the little froggy face is the equivalent of uh, the 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 Innsmouth, like the devil, the devil folk, mm-hmm. <laughs> the folks off of Devil Reef. Like this is this is uh, the equivalent of the fishy people on Innsmouth in a in a Lovecraft story versus the unknowable thing that if you actually saw it would just like your brain would like would explode. So it's whatever see that he didn't. didn't yes. See it. Whatever Sam Neill saw in outer space in that one movie. He just feels it right. <laughs> like he feels a presence. Yeah. There's something there menacing him. He rose to his feet and backed away. And as he did something 
floated up out of the well. What it was, Conan did not know. He could see nothing in the darkness, but he distinctly felt a presence, an invisible, intangible intelligence, which hovered malignly near him. Turning, he fled the way he had come. I just love the idea of like a mind flare, just mm-hmm. or maybe it's or like a beholder kind of yeah, thing, yeah, like a space manta ray, like and it's it's just there. I don't know, man. So many cool things. Maybe it was just like George Jetson, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Could've or been. or what? like that's 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 obnoxious. It wouldn't be George Jetson, it wouldn't be. but let's what's the uh, what's the, the Mr. little Mister Spacely. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something ridiculous, something really little, like the, the, the Great Gazoo. Yeah, the Great Gazoo feels like malevolent. Right, the Great Gazoo <laughs> kind of is Lovecraftian. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. you hate him. You don't want to talk about. The well, Great I Gazoo. just i I never was a huge Flintstones fan, but then when you start seeing that, you're like, "What is this? What is, this? What is happening? <laughs> like, you can't have it all." Fred's been drinking the yeah. fermented milk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I liked the well thing uh, later when it gets called back up by Peleus because then you're like, oh, was that the wizard that fell down the well or whoever got trapped uh-huh. down there? Like maybe it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just a thing. Well, it was a malevolent intelligence. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Driven mad by maybe Sotha or something. Maybe. Yeah. And so we Sotha. get to we meet Peleus and he is uh, making out with a plant. If yeah. I remember correctly, he, like, he's my favorite. He's in a poison part. ivy. He's in a poison ivy trap. Yeah, he's my <laughs> favorite part of the dungeon because he is kept in like suspended animation by a plant, drugged out of his mind for ten years, hidden away. Uh, doesn't lose all his muscle mass. He can get up and walk. That was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But Conan somehow knows exactly where to shear this plant. He knows exactly where to to make the cut. Uh, instead of trying to pull it out by the root, which apparently would lead down all the way to hell, uh, <laughs> right. according to Peleus. <laughs> yeah. So he probably would have pulled something else up worse with it. Probably a tap root, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. yeah. This is this is an invasive species. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what was its name? The the plant actually had it a did have a name, name, didn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I was Peleus too, tells us too, too struck by Peleus, who's just like a smooth criminal. He just gets right up and is like, "Yeah, all right." Oh, hey. <laughs> Let's roll. I need a Devon and a drink. We're looking here. This makes for good radio. That plant had a name. Wait. Oh, no, uh, why did you cut the stem of the plant Yothga instead Yothga. of tearing it up by the roots? Because I learned long ago to avoid touching with my flesh that which I do not understand, answer, answered the Sumerian. Well for you, said the stranger. Had you been able to tear it up? You might have found things clinging to the roots against which not even your sword would prevail. Yathga's roots are set in hell. So, like, some kind of mites, maybe, or... Uh, ground pearls. Mm. Want to avoid <laughs> those. Type of, type of scale insect that mm. feeds on the roots, yeah. 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 And souls. <laughs> also, also devils. <laughs> and by souls, I mean the bottom of your feet until it eats its way up to your head and then... Tickles. Then your soul soul. <laughs> But this is the first. So in this story, we get the our first snake fight, like giant uh-huh. serpent fight, yep. eighty foot snake. In this in this story, we get our first look at some devil plant that can drive you to maddening dreams. Yep. Right, black so, lotus poisons. Exactly. So there's a lot of formative stuff here mm-hmm. that becomes Conan lore, and and I like this story for that. Yeah the the Scarlet Citadel. Is 
awesome because of all of this weirdness that we don't get in the Phoenix on the sword. And I, that's what you're getting at, Josh. Like the, the Phoenix on the sword is cool, but the, the monster is a big baboon. Like it's a, it's a, a, a baboon from hell. It's it a flies. If it, it's, it's <laughs> it flies, it's weird. There's, there is otherworldly like cosmic HPL vibes, but it's not weird. Like the way that this is, this is weird. This is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Sexy plants, unknown, like Wait, floaty what? presences. <laughs> you heard him. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. That print, that, that, it has you in an embrace. Yeah. Okay. There's some there are some sexual overtones to Peleus like wrapped up in that plant. So what was the plant gonna do to him, John? <laughs> what, what was it what, yeah. What was it slurping? Uh, so there's that. But also there's the the bubbly, like fishy thing, the mm-hmm. the, the froggy thing. Frog go. There's the big ass snake, mm-hmm. classic. All of this weirdness is just bubbling up. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has to hide in the shadows at one point and all of the scary things in the shadows are scared of the snake. Also pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Good good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Even like touches one of them. Is it, the snake's name Yatha? Uh, that sounds right. Because it's kind of close to, to... To the plant Yathka, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and this story, he is Sotha, the Sotha, old one, okay. chiefest of Sotha's pets. Sotha and Sotha. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, this is the inspiration for some really cool Frank Frazetta art mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. That's how I first read this. I've got the, the copy of the usurper one and it's like that, that mm-hmm. sort of scene, uh, with the snake, the giant snake mm-hmm. coming between Conan's legs. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things to talk about with this. I don't know how meandering we want to be. The the dungeon master, uh, I like that he's a, I mean, he is a sadist. Yeah. Like, clearly Shikelly. there is there's a, a, a reference to his, like, he enjoys hurting people the way that other people like other passions. Like, he is a sexual like he is like the he, way that no, he's no, just he's thought about you Peyton Warhammer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and him just like slowly cutting somebody like just having the same kind of fun he's like he he enjoys he enjoys hurting people like that is his passion that's that's dark man for mm-hmm. for for this era of time uh there's lots of cool uncomfortable elements to the story mm-hmm. And you hate Shukeli, and you don't want good things to happen to him. But it's kind of easy to fall into Conan's place, too, and be, like, really creeped out when Peleus says, yeah, I'm going to bring him back from the dead for about two minutes. Yeah, for a yeah, hot just second. Just a hot second. Uh, by the ivory hips of Ishtar, who is our doorman? Lode is no less than the noble Shukeli, who hanged my young men by their feet and skinned them with squeals of laughter. He's so, like, jovial yes. about Do it. you sleep, Shukeli? Why do you lie so stiffly with your fat belly sunk in like a dressed pig's? He's dead, muttered Conan, <laughs> ill at ease with these wild words. Dead or alive, laughed Peleus. He shall open the door for us. It's He's lost it. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. A, he's yeah. a right bastard, yep. man. Yep. Yeah, he's like dancing a little jig that he gets to do this to him. <laughs> Peleus is the best. 
So, and I believe, so in that, in what you just read or just before it, doesn't he talk about like all of his, all of his ladies in his harem, like his seraglio? Yes. He talks about getting caught. Basically, he talks, he's got, he was drunk. Yes, he was drunk. Uh, And then Conan has some questions about, you know, was this whole thing built just to house this giant snake? And that's when we get sort of the the world history building mm-hmm. where Peleus is sort of saying like, no, they, they found this. This was built a long time ago. Uh, he's just populating it basically with some of these weird It was things. like it was paved over, buried over, and then. Yep. Filled in, moved, <laughs> moved the started, entire. started like sprouting yeah. up. Paradise and put up a parking <laughs> lot. They moved the whole capital to somewhere else to try and get away from it. And it just, it wasn't going to work. This whole land seems cursed, right? Like. That's its that's its legend. Yeah. This land is 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 evil and dirt and cursed. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I love it. I um, love that we're spending so much time on the dungeon stuff. Right. Again, that's where my my biggest enjoyment comes from. It's cool to see like Conan hop on the the fly thing. Which the the art in the Delray does not necessarily match what's pre- like on the page. That's true. I like what's in the art, like in the Delray, better than I like the depiction. The the, the flying manta ray with the the multi-toothed mouth but no real eyes, as opposed uh, mm-hmm. to it wasn't quite a bat and it wasn't quite a bird. We don't right. know what it was. Like you say that, and I think more of like heavy metal, like the the the, the, the tarot rider, like yeah. <laughs> in that. Like this it, looks more like a flying star faced mole. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Fleshy protuberances. Mountain ride. It's <laughs> it's all terrain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gas mileage sucks, but it'll get you there, my God. Um and I like Conan's response. Uh is this all a nightmare from which I shall presently awaken in my palace at Tamar? What of you? I would not leave you alone among your enemies. Be at ease regarding me, answered Peleus. At dawn the people of Korshemish will know they have a new master. Doubt not what the gods have. Uh, doubt not what the gods have sent you. I will meet you in the plain by Shamar. I feel like we're kind of circling around a lot of things that we like with this one. Do you feel like it has less meat on its bones than the last two that we've discussed? Or I think it's as straightforward a story as the Phoenix on the Sword. But I think that. If if we're comparing, like this to the the deep mythological sort of takes that you can have on the Frost Giant's daughter, I don't know. That story is super short, real compact. It's straightforward too, but it's wrapped up in a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, packaging. Yeah. This one of the cool things I I I like about it is just. Like I wish, I wish we could uh, do what Peleus did with uh, Gary Gygax and have him on the show and just say, "Was this your favorite Conan story?" But <laughs> because of the dungeon right. crawling uh-huh. elements of it, like this reminds me of why Conan is included in the appendix in in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah, I wonder. I can't remember if we had this conversation, but. You know, the next story the uh, that we'll be tackling is the Tower of the Elephant, which is the other classic dungeon crawl. Well, I shouldn't say the other. It is the classic 
Conan dungeon crawl that everybody goes back to, it's funny that it's like dungeon on dungeon. Like mm-hmm. we we get that, and I know we'll encounter other Conan in a dungeon stories, but this one is pretty next level as far as its 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 uh its horrors and delights that we're seeing, and uh between it and the Tower of the Elephant, I think. I, w- I would love to know what was in Howard's head thinking about like basements of towers <laughs> mm-hmm. like, <laughs> at this point. Like, what does this mean? If we're going back to Bullfinch and back to mythology, you've you've got to think about the Minotaur and the you know the story of Theseus, right? Right. Um, and I'm sure there are other dungeony sort of myths in in those that Greek cycle um, that I can't call to mind. Like maybe maybe. Uh, uh, is it uh, Orpheus and Eurydice, uh, you know, traveling into right. Hades to to bring back his dead love? Maybe you could. It's, it's more of a stretch, I think. But there's something about Conan being in a dungeon, finding these weird monsters, running away from them, <laughs> being driven mad. Right. right. He's he's being driven to the edge of sanity here, um, getting on this hell bat right. <laughs> and flying back. To his kingdom, so he can be the uh, the the final doorstop right. for Sothalante's advance. It felt to me like a Beowulf by way of uh, Lovecraft, maybe. Okay, like like it's a historical saga almost. A king is captured and he has to escape, and you put in all these cool weird monsters, and then it's really a pretty straightforward military history tale where it's a, a fight on the plane. Uh, yeah. And there's wedges and knights and uh, the rest of it is very almost, archers. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. The archers are fighting each other from afar and some of them have leather on and the others have this on and mm-hmm. it's a you know real close match. But it's very it's very mathematical. It's very mundane where it's just Conan's military wits against, I guess, a wizard, but also mostly people fighting. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets very maybe Dante. It's like. Beowulf written by Dante with a Lovecraft sprinkle on top. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> and Peleus becomes uh the guide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is it? Virgil in, yeah. in Dante. I could see that. Only Peleus is way cooler. That's true. He likes to party. He likes to party. He does like to party. <laughs> I can't. I gotta invoke that. <laughs> uh so the there's a real cool battle scene. And, uh, Luke, you were saying the battle scene kind of left you feeling dry. It was, I mean, it's fun, but at that point, I feel like the end is telegraphed. Uh, like I was genuinely worried for, for Conan down in the, the bowels of the, the Scarlet or the, the Scarlet Citadel. Like I didn't, you don't know what's going to go down there and you meet Peleus and you find out like that shit, that guy's crazy (laughs) and maybe a little bit demonic himself uh but once conan like sails on back across the sky and then he's there i don't want to say like victory is like certain but it gets more heroic yeah like the story takes on this heroic tone and you almost hear the the trumpets well, and it's funny you should say that. I uh, Amalris cried 
out in unbelief. I see Trossero and his captain Prospero. But who rides between them? Yeah. Ishtar preserve us, shrieked Strabonis, paling. It is King Conan. That's like, King is, Conan's music. Is that King Conan's music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can hear the trumpets. He's, he's on his way down the aisle. He's going to mess things With up. With a steel but, chair. <laughs> With a steel chair. Uh, by God. Uh, uh, I want to diverge into... Uh, Talking about Jr. but I won't. Um, this last part, I I like the battle scene, um, but I like it for the seasoning of uh, Sotha's head being carried off by, by an, a kite an, by a raptor by an eagle that laughs in the voice of Peleus, <laughs> and then Sotha's body jumping up and running after it. That's the best. Yeah, that's like straight out of Army of Darkness, right? It like, is. That shit is. Off the chain. That's where this this story is kookier. It's funny, like uh, the the Phoenix on the sword the sword is a it's a serious story, right? Like it's it's got this gravity. It's got this. It's a, a tapping into the Frost Giant's daughter kind of vibes. A lot of myth. Like there's this mythic quality to it. This story doesn't have like any grounding in classic myth. That's like superficial it's just bonkers off the war like off the chain like appendix in dnd stuff and it's it's a little bit gonzo-y there at the end with 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 the uh <laughs> the body and with the head it's it's crazy like this is this is the fun sequel this is the kind <laughs> of situation where the sequel is different than the the original but so, it's equally good. So it's the alien versus aliens. And that's not that's not a direct comparison. I'm not trying to say that that those are it's directly comparable, but it's that same kind of feel where they are equally good but very different. Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yeah, 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 right. Like camp versus well the other one's camp too. They're, they're both but, campy, <laughs> but, but like one is a more jarringly serious tone. Yeah. And one is more slapsticky and slacky. Dumb. Just like off the like, rails. Yeah. 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 Um and it ends with Conan saying, Damnation, what would I not give for a flagon of wine? Yeah. Like <laughs> like, you know, cue the the as as the the eagle is flying away with the head and the body is chasing it, the Benny Hill theme plays, and then Conan's shaking his head like Dios mio, like these <laughs> wizards. <laughs> he looks at the camera, right? Just like Jim's Can you believe it? Like I just want some wine. Oh, that's yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I read this the ending. Yes. Yeah, that's my head canon for this one. It's a it's a funky story. I don't know. I don't think it's as good as uh the Phoenix on the Sword. But it's a hell of a ride and it has some some darker delving that it does in the dungeon that I dig more than the Phoenix on the Sword. Mm-hmm. It it takes the the nameless demon that Thothamon summons and like bam like kicks that up a notch yep yeah it gives the little emerald like magic cajun <laughs> dust like, exactly bam yeah i think to circle to uh phoenix out of the sword is a better story in my opinion but this has more memorable moments 
that's how I would kind of think about it. Okay. So are we going to keep a running tally, a running rating of things? Do you want to do that or you want to not? <laughs> how are we going to rate them? I don't know. We'll just like. Like relative to one another? Relative to one another. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, the entry, Phoenix on the Sword is the best. Mm-hmm. This is a close second and the Frost Giant's Daughter is a distant third. Okay. That's my that's my votes. I would I would agree. I don't think it's a distant third for me though. I think it's a little closer. Uh but I would rate this between Phoenix on the Sword at number 1, Frost Giant's Daughter at number 3. I might be 1 2 3 just the way we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Frost Giant in the middle. In the middle? Yeah. I like this a lot. Uh it's it, it's a tight race for me. Yeah. But Phoenix on the Sword does win. By a nose. Is this sword and sorcery? Oh, yeah. The story? Yeah. Oh, I think this is like very much the sword and sorcery. Yeah. I think this bears more children than the phoenix on the sword. Okay. Like, yeah. This is this is more fertile ground than that for sword and sorcery in the future. This I would is, say so. This yeah. is big dumb. Uh, Fawford and Mouse are down in the bowels of, <laughs> of yeah. Lankmar adventures and every... Uh, D and D adventure that's gone in like disarray and well in the wizards the magic yes. people in this are more messed up than they are uh, in Phoenix on like in the Phoenix on the Sword he is an imperious force that he meets in the dreamscape and he's like I am magic here is magic go and you kill are magic. So, yeah. on that front <laughs> something that I scribbled down I like that uh, in this. Magic is more scientific. Yeah. It is alchemical. Uh, there's titration there's of poison and, doses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, like, at one point, Peleus makes some sort of remark about, like, that's uh, some of the lower magic, but not my higher sciences. I can't ex- remember right. the exact sort of phrasing, but he makes references of, like, low versus high sort of studies and I love the the magic here. It is the thing that you don't recognize uh, as being a an extra sort of rule on the world. It's 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 the science, right? Like mm-hmm. like the, the 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 science is in like under can't understand it, and it becomes magic, right? And it's cool, and it's evil because both those bastards are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even the snake is scared of Peleus. Yes. I don't know if we mentioned that. Oh, but that's like, right. Yeah, yeah the snake shows up when they're trying to get out, and it sees Peleus and is like, "Nope." That's nope. what yeah, he nope. said. Like, yeah. I saw, he saw my true visage. Right. right? The like, scaly ones can see beneath the things. You, you see my mortal guys. It sees my naked soul. That's the best. Yeah. I want to know what his soul looks <laughs> right. like. I what does that mean? It. It's like a cremated like face. He's. He's like hey, he's a Clive Barker monster. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Lovecraftian in and of himself. Yeah. Uh here's another thing that I noted this time around. I don't think I noted it uh way back when. But according to the story, I'll just read this and see if it hits you guys the same way. Uh a drop of venom fell on his naked thigh, and the feel of it was like a white-hot dagger driven into his flesh. Red jets of agony shot through Conan's brain, yet he held himself immovable. Not by the twitching of a muscle or the flicker of an eyelash did he betray the pain of the hurt that left a scar he bore to the day of his death. 
that's 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 Conan getting getting stung by the venom on his leg. Right. Conan dies. This is like a weird. Uh, we know okay, this. Yeah. It's a weird illusion. It's too. a weird illusion, and it very much aligns with something that like Stephen King would do in a contemporary uh Stephen King novel like he does across many of them he'll make some sort of like offhand remark about somebody's death and maybe it's foreshadowing maybe it's an allusion to something that's going to happen but there's so much conversation about like what Conan does after Conan dies he's fallible we whichever I think a lot of people you know we talk about this but it's pretty interesting and i wonder if it's because of it's early in the stages of the writing that we get such a clean statement of uh that you know uh it would be uh left a scar that he bore to the day of his death like what's the day of his death did did howard actually think about that or was that an offhand quick writing yeah that's a cool thought i, I don't know um you i i think in a letter he Howard talked about like uh, the fact that Conan probably would have gotten <coughs> involved in, in some geopolitical uh, machinations like Aquilonia is one of the largest kingdoms and in, 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 in the age, right? One of the wealthiest, it's the, the crown jewel of, of the uh, Hyborian age. And uh, as such, lots of barbarian tribes and and reavers and slayers are going to be gunning after it. And you know, in the this geopolitical upheaval, Conan might have a hard time navigating it. And I'll I'll need to jot down to find that reference. But that's definitely, I think it was a fan. Who is it? Uh, Schuler or Skyler or something that that made the map or made the timeline. And sent it to Howard, and Howard was more or less like, "Yeah, this is, this is more or less right, except for a couple of the stories and this and that." You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm just making that. this up. Yeah, no. no, we've got to we've got to up our uh, checking of references before these episodes. That's right. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Like um, we're do, we need to like delve deeper beyond like whatever the annotations we're reading because or save point, it for next time. Yeah, because that, I know that this is a reference. Um, that we can make. So maybe I'll just edit all of that out and no, we'll, we'll just, I, we can see. Okay. Uh, um, but, but in that, like Howard is saying, yeah, he dies and, and probably he goes out in a blaze of glory in a battle, mm-hmm. you know, ground against the ever moving machinery of civilization. P. Schuler Miller. Miller. Okay. P. Schuler or Skyler even maybe. Sky, yeah. That's probably, probably yeah. Um, is that the, did you find the reference just then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1936, Howard would explain his position in a letter to P. Schuler Miller, Skylar Miller. Skyler. So, yeah, I, he's definitely thought about it at some point. Um, as far as did he think about how Conan dies or a story with the death of Conan when he wrote this? I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. It's just I my my gut is that this writing it just seems so offhand of like how are you going to talk about some vicious scar that somebody incurs from uh an 80 foot snake's venom. Oh, they're going to think about it and on until the day of their death. But it also sort of grounds the character as mortal yeah he's not a god (laughs) he's not a god conan's not gonna like carry on 
for forever. He's he's a fallible dude. Again, nobody's going to argue that he's not, but it's cool to actually see some writing that alludes to it, given the timeless nature and the various stories that we're talking about over mm-hmm. the next year. Anyway. That stood out to me this time around. That's like, great. I, can see why, yeah. little, I read right over thing. top of it. Very good. What else? I feel like we've really hit it hard. Uh, we have sacked the, the Scarlet Citadel. We have we have defeated the monsters within. Uh, Except the ones we ran from. <laughs> well, and our heads are still attached to not being carried by raptor birds. So I feel That's pretty success. good about it. Yeah. That's a win. For today. <laughs> For today. Well, do we need to talk about? Let's save the mailbag maybe for the next episode. You want to save the mailbag? Yeah, we'll, we'll let it today. sort of build up. Build okay. up. Uh, do we have one that we can talk about? Uh, I haven't read it. Is the problem? I, I know we got one today, but I haven't read it. So let's, let's cut this. It. Let's cut this and jump. Uh, so we'll we'll save up uh, mailbags at this point. We want to get a good. A good, glut. a good glut, a, a bank load. Yeah. We're going to get uh, a couple few. We're going to talk about them. So you get comments about this, the Frost Giant's daughter, question mark. <laughs> Give us your comments about the Scarlet Citadel. Give us your comments about uh, the Phoenix on the Sword. Send them to us. You want to just subtweet? Fine. Uh, it would be cooler if you'd send us an email. Yep. Eight, uh, uh, you can call us at 859-429-CROM or email us thecromcast at gmail.com. Our website is thecromcast.blogspot.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, not Tumblr, not Mastodon. I don't tumble with no Mastodons. You don't tumble? You tumble with no Mastodons? <laughs> I wrestle with Oliphants. Oliphants <laughs> and frog monsters. Gelatinous frog monsters. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are the best. The Gelatinous. Delicious. Gelatinous frog monster legs. Yes. Do they have legs? I thought so. Tentacles? Like body legs. Body, t- le- body legs? Yeah. Bobby. His leg is a body? No, Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby legs. And it titters. How, how would that sound? Uh, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> Good, sir. <laughs> That's it. I think we've podcasted. Yep, we podcasted. Uh, next time, join us. For a raid on the Tower of the Elephant mm. in uh, the city Shadazar the Wicked, right? Yeah. Bring your raid. Am I right? Yeah. Bring it. That's if you want to kill a spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big spider. It's the size of a pig. Yep. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> some pigs are bigger than others. I think you could just scoop it up and set it outside. Is, it, uh, is Taurus the badass that we're going to read about? Taurus of Namidia. Yeah. He's... He's got that big, big T energy. Taurus. Yeah. Oh, Mr. T. I love it. He's mouth. He's mouthy, right? Yeah. Taurostra. I ain't, Taurostra. I ain't climbing no tower. <laughs> look at my belly. <laughs> here, like, look over here. Look over here. Taurus, they, they knock him out. I feel it. Drag him up the tower. <laughs> All right. Next time, we'll talk about that. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? Is anyone even listening at this point? I don't know. The hateless people. You're like, what all Foggy on the mountains, and dresses of the sea. Dark horizons, black wall, following the voice of prophecy. We are standing steadfast, 
the first thing you do before you confront and murder somebody is you kiss, kiss them. them. You kiss them real right on the hard mouth. so that it bruises them. 